is going to come and sing O Holy Night. Um, this is one of my favorite Christmas songs, and I was telling him this. Um, in the first church we pastored, there was a fellow, he, likes, he built race car engines. He built any kind of engine, but then he also raced on the dirt track. And um, His name was Dick Schultz, and he would... Uh, but um, one of the things he always had to do was on our, on our Christmas service, he would always have to sing O Holy Night. And, but he had that deep kind of booming voice, kind of like Rex does. And, uh, so um, I asked Rex, and it, it took me a lot to get him up here. But <laughs> um, So Rex, worship, help us worship.
song, isn't there? Amen. Praise God. In a few moments, we're going to partake of communion, um, but before we do, I want us to, um, we're going to look at a few passages. Um, The main passage will be in Galatians, but we're going to look at a few different passages here. So. So if you'll bear with me for a few moments here. I just have a brief message to share with you. So the worst thing in life is to... Wait. And we get to do a lot of that this time of year, don't you? If you go shopping, get in the line. Took Amy to Marshall's last night, and I don't know how long. It was a good half an hour. She's waiting in line to get get some gifts. Um, where, wherever you're at... There is a line to wait, right? When I was young, I couldn't wait for Christmas, Hazel and Nora. I couldn't wait, and I couldn't wait to open up my presents. And I don't want to give you guys any bad ideas, okay, any of the kids here. I can see them. I see a few others there. But I was a bad kid. I'll have to admit it. So I'd see my my presents wrapped under the tree, and guess what I would do? Yep. I would sneak there in the middle of the night. I'd go grab them. I'd open them up real, real carefully, see what it was, and then I'd wrap it back up and put it underneath the tree. So, come on. Didn't anybody else do that? Okay. I'm not the only one. All right. So, 
Um, I don't know if I ever got caught. I don't remember getting caught. I don't know if they, my parents caught on to it or not. But anyway, I did that at least once or twice throughout my growing up years. Waiting is hard. You know, whether it's waiting for that prayer to be answered, waiting for this pandemic to be finally done. You know, we thought 15 days a while back, and now we're coming up on two years. Uh, Maybe you were waiting for that job opportunity or promotion. We're waiting for God's promise. We're waiting for that right relationship. We're waiting for something, aren't we? A couple weeks ago, I injured my knee helping my son move, and it's kind of like I wanted that thing to get better now. It's still, it's there. It's better. I can operate, but sometimes things just don't move as fast as we want them to, right? We wait. We wait. It seems so unproductive. It seems like we're spinning our wheels and we wait. You ever feel that way? Aaron? He's waiting. It's been how long since you've seen Sharonda? Months, yes. We actually saw her more recently than you did. But she, he gets to pick her up at the airport tonight. So we're excited for him, but he's been waiting. He's getting the house all ready. He's getting everything all prepared, and uh, it's exciting. It's exciting, but waiting at times is part of God's plan. And so that's what I want us uh, to look at. Um, I even got a kick out of, uh, I was waiting at the post office, so I had to get married. I had to marry off, marry off, mail off Daniel and Ella's marriage license. There we go. We got it right now. So they gave it to me, you know, and so I had to get it mailed off. So I get to the post office just before the window closed, you know, over this 11 to noon thing here in Crete. Okay. So I get there in time, but there was somebody in front of me. So it comes up to me. So they are willing to help me out, but I want to do it certified mail because I want to make sure it gets there and get... so. I get handed the paperwork and says, you can bring it back at noon, an hour later, right? When you have it filled out. And it's kind of like, hmm. I, want, I wanted to say, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, but I didn't. <laughs> I just gave her a nice smile. Came back after noon. And we got it. But we have to wait sometimes. And it's kind of like, why? Why do we have to wait? So in Scripture we see there's a wait before Christ comes, before God gives us His Son. So, you know, Aaron read that passage from Genesis, and you're probably thinking, why in the world are we reading about Adam and Eve and their sin? Why? Because within that is the promise. The promise that the serpent, his head will be crushed, right? You're gonna, you know, the serpent will strike his heel, referring to Christ and Him being crucified on the cross, but ultimately Christ would crush the serpent's head when he died on the cross. And so we get this first promise that God was going to put in motion a plan to redeem mankind and to restore our relationship with Him and deal with sin. But you know what? That was how many years before Christ was born? Anybody want to take a stab at it? hundred years? thousand years? Four thousand years before Christ was born. That's a long time, isn't it? 
I know some of us have patience, but that's a long time. And then we have the passage in Isaiah that says, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, and He'll give birth to a son, and you will call Him Emmanuel. Well, that's 700 years before Christ was born. We're getting a little bit closer. But you see throughout the Old Testament, there's promises referring to a Messiah that a child would be born, and His name would be Jesus. And then we have this time of silence in Scripture. So you have the last of the Old Testament books, Malachi. Okay, If you're going through your, your Bible and the last of the Old Testament books is Malachi. And then you go right into the New Testament, right? Right? Pastor John, huh? there's a few years break between the Old and New Testament, isn't there? 400 years. That God is silent. That we, if God was speaking, we don't have any record of it. It's like God's people were waiting and waiting for the promise that God had made to them that a child would be born, that there would be a Redeemer, that there would be a Messiah that would come. So the second point is the why the wait, the why behind the wait. You know, sometimes we think that waiting is very unproductive, but often God is even silent in that time. But that 400 years between the Old and New Testament, you know what? Even though God's people were waiting, God was working. Did you know that? You think, how was God working? Well, He was putting some key things in place leading up to the birth of the Messiah. Here's a couple of them that we know of. First of all, Alexander the Great. How many have heard of Alexander the Great? He conquered the world, I believe, in 12 years. Most of the known world in 12 years. That's why he's called Alexander the Great. Yes. But during that time is the Greeks, right? And so now for the first time in the world, people were speaking a common language. Greek. So everybody knew some Greek throughout the world, even though they maybe had their own, um, their own common language. So you have Greek. Well, that led to, in roughly 200 B.C., somewhere in there, that the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew, would now be written in Greek, and we call that version the Septuagint. So if you hear somebody talk about the Septuagint, that is the Greek version of the Old Testament. So now the Old Testament is written into Greek and is called the Septuagint. And then it was also during that 400-year period of time that a new teaching style would emerge. Prior to that, it had been kind of the teacher would teach, And give the instruction and the students would sit there and absorb it. But now a new teaching style would come forth where there was actually dialogue and the students would ask questions. Mm. Remember what Jesus did as they asked questions? And then in 64 BC, the Romans would take over. All right? And they would be the dominating force. And that would be about in 64 BC. And there was a window of peace during that time. And during that time of peace, they built roads. You always hear that expression, all roads lead to Rome, right? And they built roads. And then the last thing is that during this Roman occupation, the Jews began to scatter out from Jerusalem. It's called the Diaspora. And so not only were they in Jerusalem and Israel, but they began to scatter even as far as Rome and other places. So why are all these things important? 
It's important because for the first time, people could read about God in their language, in a language that they could at least understand. And they could ask the Son of God, whom he, God the Father would send, they could ask Him questions and learn about Him. And they could take the gospel to various places because there was roads to take them there. And that God's people had been dispersed to take that message there. And Think about the day of Pentecost, folks. People from, were there worshiping on the day of Pentecost when God would pour out His Holy Spirit. right? And they were from all different countries. They were of Jewish heritage, but they were from all over. And they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And what do they do? They go back to their homeland and take the message with them. The roads are there. The language is there. And they go back. You think that was part of God's plan? And so while God's people were waiting, God was working, wasn't He? Even maybe they didn't realize it. And sometimes we look at our own situation, we think, why am I waiting? Why isn't this happening like yesterday, like right now, right? And what we sometimes don't realize is that behind the scenes, God is working, preparing for the right time. See, Galatians 4, 4 through 5 is kind of the key text I want to look at. It says, when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of the woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption of sonship. And when you look at this passage, it literally means that at the perfect time, God sent forth His Son. At the perfect time. He laid the groundwork so that when the Son of God came, it would fit his plans and his purposes to accomplish his will. You know, waiting is, is part of God's economy, I believe. Abraham waited how long before Isaac was born? About 25 years. He's given the promise, but it was 25 years before they had a son. Joseph was given the dreams. Remember his dreams? Man. His brothers are going to bow down to him. The stars are going to bow down to him, right? He was pretty excited and stoked about it. He tells his brothers they're not so excited about it. They even throw him in a pit. They try killing him. They end up selling him into slavery. And there, Joseph then begins to spend much of his life in prison. And he began to wonder, okay, God, where is the promise? Joseph would have to wait 22 years, roughly, before God would fulfill the promise Waiting is part of God's plan. And I don't think those years were wasted. With Abraham, I believe God was preparing him in the area of faith, making him this person of great faith to the place that once Isaiah was now, I mean, Isaac was a young lad. He would, God says, I want you to go sacrifice on him on that mountain over there. And uh, scholars tell us that they think that is the place that Christ would be close to where Christ was crucified. And what was the promise to Abraham that came forth? He says, the Lord is my provider, right? And on this mountain, God will provide. So God provided him the ram in the thicket for the sacrifice. But if that is the exact place where um, Christ was crucified, isn't that an amazing fulfillment that went beyond even what God gave to Abraham? On the mountain, I'll provide for your provision, for your sin, your forgiveness. God was working in, the, in uh, Abraham's life, but he was also working in Joseph, cultivating humility and patience to 
make him the leader that God needed him to be. And the thing to remember is that God's delays are not necessarily his denials. I'll say that again. God's delays are not necessarily his denials. Well, God eventually did fulfill his promise, didn't he? Yeah. After 4,000 years, Jesus, the Son of God, was born. We've been talking about that over the last couple of weeks. The angels announced his birth to the shepherds. The star led the magi to the place where Jesus was, and they worshiped him. And in the temple, Simeon and, and Anna, they, um, they prophesied over Jesus and Mary and Joseph. And I wanted to read that. You know, Simeon was a, a devout and righteous man, and some people think he was maybe up to 110 years old. Okay, back in that time frame, that was, that was pretty old. But God had made him a promise that he would not die until he had seen the hope of Israel, the Messiah. And it says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. This is Luke 2, 2, 25 through 35. Who was a righteous and a devout man. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, the hope of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Holy Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought the child, Jesus, to do for him what was customary of the law required, since the eighth day he's being circumcised, dedicated to God, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now may dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation for the Gentiles, the glory for your people Israel. And the child's father and mother marveled at what had been said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, This, um, said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will also pierce your own soul, too seems to be a reference to the crucifixion and how um, Mary being his mom would feel that pain as well. And then Anna would come into the picture. There was also prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. And she never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. You know, the Old Testament people, they waited, didn't they? They waited and they waited. And finally, the perfect time came and God would have his son born of a woman. That waiting was not in vain. God was setting the stage so that all the necessary elements were in place so that when Jesus was born to be the Savior of the world, it would be the perfect time so that the gospel could go forth to touch the world. Amen? And I want to just bring that home to you and I that if you're going through a season of waiting, Understand that his delays aren't necessarily a denial. Sometimes God says no, right? But sometimes he's just saying not yet. And we have to trust him. And sometimes he's working in our lives. Maybe there's things in our lives that he still wants to work in us. 
And sometimes it's things out there just aren't where they need to be and we just have to be patient and let Him do His work and be ready for when He opens that door or He answers that prayer or gives, fulfills that promise. Amen? I don't know. Um, I'm going to have the musicians come if you can make your way up here. I don't know if you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, but today could be your perfect time. Or maybe you're, uh, maybe you're just waiting. We're going to partake of communion in just a minute here, but um, this is an important time. We're going to leave here and go into our, our family gatherings and uh, open up presents either tonight or tomorrow. And we want to invite Christ into this, but more importantly, I want want you to know that God sent His Son for the world, but He sent Him for you. For you. And if you haven't, if you haven't known that promise, if you don't haven't known the feeling of that your sins have been forgiven, and you you don't know that when you leave here today that you have the hope of heaven, you can know that. You can know that. Scripture is pretty clear that we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life and we can have that hope of heaven. And someone will lead us in a prayer of salvation. And I just usually encourage our people here, we all pray together. Um, but if that is, today is maybe your perfect day, today that you need to invite Christ into your life. If you haven't done that, and maybe you've been here more than once, that doesn't mean that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt. And so I'm just going to encourage you to bow your heads and let's pray together and just invite Christ into our heart and our life. Dear Lord, come into my heart and to my life. I surrender it to you today. Forgive me of my sins. And let Christ rule and reign in my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And Lord God, I also pray for anyone here this morning that is in the middle of this waiting. It's like they know you're in control, God. And yet, it seems like things aren't moving ahead and they're wondering, okay, God, what's next? What's next? Or when God, when are you going to fulfill that promise or that answer to prayer? And God, I just, I, I pray for that person today, Lord God, that you are faithful and that we can trust you. And God, that those times of waiting are never wasted. You are working in our lives. You're working in the in the situations around us, Lord God. You're preparing things for the right time, for the perfect moment. And so, God, give us the grace that we, and mercy that we need in those times to trust you. Your ways are truly higher than our ways. Your knowledge is greater than ours. And give us the mercy to trust you and the strength to live each day. We give you the thanks and the praise we ask. Amen. Amen. Praise God. They are going to lead us, our worship team is going to lead us in a, uh, a course. Uh, it's called the Christmas Hallelujah. I'm going to have those that are going to come
help with communion if you'd make your way forward and prepare. Uh, Victor and Yolanda and uh, uh, Sarah and Lizzie. Uh, is Sarah here? Okay. Already. Um, Dave. take a communion. So what I would like you to do is we're going to sing through the course um, like verses 1 and 2. I just want us to worship the Lord. And then after they sing that through once or twice, you're going to make your way to the center aisle. Even those you on the outside, you're going to come all the way to the center, come down the center and then either go to the right or to the left. And they're going to tear off a piece of bread, put it in your hand. You don't have to touch anything. They'll put it in your hand and then they'll take a the grape juice, place that in your hand as well, the cup. And then you can go back to your seat and then we'll partake together, okay? But um, we're going to worship the Lord for a verse or two and then you can begin making your way forward and, uh, and then we'll worship together. So would you stand as we sing this together and um, let's just glorify God together.
begin making your way to the center and then uh, get the elements and then you can head back to your seat and we'll partake together. that Jesus would be betrayed Passover he would celebrate that with his disciples and he's, he would tear the bread and they'd each take a piece and partake and then the, the wine, the grape juice and he, he says something very important, he says I won't take partake of this again until 
together in my Father's kingdom. Um, Christmas is sometimes called Advent, and it means His coming. This we celebrate His first coming, but there's His second coming, where we will sit down at the Lamb's Supper, the Supper of the Lamb, and have fellowship with Him. And He's going to be the center of attention because He gave us His life for our sins. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you um, that, God, you loved us so much. And I hope that thought just never, we never lose sight of that, that, God, you loved us so much that you sent your Son to die on the cross for us. And to be born as a baby into humanity, and that meant pain, that meant suffering, that meant things that God would never have to face, but you endured that. Worst of all, you went to the cross. And you stood in our place, taking our sin, our punishment, our shame. And it was nailed to the cross. And so, Lord God, I pray that we never lose sight of the love that God has for us. And that it draws us deeper, that it draws us to know you more, that it draws us to leave sin behind, that it draws us to be all that we can be for you, God. To give it our all. Because God so loved the world. He loved you and me. We give you the thanks. We give you the praise. We ask it in your name. Amen. Let's partake of the bread together. Let's partake of the grape juice. got one more song before we go, right? We do. Yeah. All right.
Christy by come, and she's going to provide us a closing prayer as we go out, spend time with our family and friends. Um, and then feel free to, we got the photo booth back there if you want to take a photo of your family. And if you need to add a little more light, we can turn on that one light there. Um, but we encourage you to utilize that and take a selfie of you and your family before you head out the door. And we will be here on Sunday. So two days from now, we're going to be here. So if you're around, we'll meet at our normal time, 10 o'clock. Um, some of you came prepared to give tonight. Sometimes we've taken up an offering for Creek Cares. We, we did that earlier. But if you came in and you're prepared to give and you won't be here like on Sunday, uh, Dave Howe, I'm going to put him back by that Christmas tree back there. And um, he'll be there. Um, and you can go ahead and put it in there and we'll just put it into Sunday. So... Um, Thanks for coming tonight. Great turnout, and we just ask God's blessing upon you. So, Christy, uh, pray for us. Come over here so we can see you there. So. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you are not just a cliche, that you are the reason for this season. Without you, there wouldn't be Christmas. And so, Lord, we thank you for coming. We thank you that you are our Savior. We thank you that you are Emmanuel, God with us. That, Lord, we know you're here. We can sense your presence. And as we leave as families, as units, and as, Lord, going to our our homes, that, Lord, you go with us, that you're there too. And so we just thank you that you are the Prince of Peace, that you are the everlasting Father. And we love you, Lord. And we thank you that, Lord, in that waiting, you are patient with us too. And so we come to you, and Lord, we just ask for your strength to wait one more time, and that is for your return. May our hearts be ready. May we love you, and we thank you, Lord, that we are able to celebrate Christmas because of you coming and loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. This evening. He muted me a little too fast there. Uh, God bless you this evening. Greet each other as you leave and uh, take a selfie. Or if you need somebody, I'm sure there will be people that can take one for you. So God bless you tonight.